Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the state of Georgia. The phone number, if you want to be on the show today, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. We've got to do something that we don't often have to do, but being a Georgia show, I feel compelled to do this this morning. We have major weather warnings across the entire state. If you are in Georgia, I don't care where you are in Georgia. Now, for those of you on delay, we've only got two stations uh, down in South Georgia on delay. Uh, it, it is a 907 on the nose right now where I'm talking, and everybody to the west of I 75 is under a tornado watch. Everybody in Georgia to the west of I-75 is in a tornado watch. If you are in North Georgia, you are experiencing terrible weather. Our affiliates in Rome and Dalton and Jasper and and up in the mountains in Habersham County and Athens and all of you are are in a, in a mess right now. And you may think that it's going to be clearing out, particularly those of you in northeast Georgia, up in the Habersham County area and up in the mountains, uh, you're thinking the, the rain is going to clear out. Well, <laughs> you are wrong. You are wrong. Those of you down in, in Carroll County, you've got a, a very heavy, heavy line of showers and, and thunder coming through. And every single person listening to my voice right now who is north of Macon is in a flash flood warning situation right now. If you can hear me on the radio right now and you live north of Macon, you are in a flash flood warning situation right now. Uh, it is it, Rome, Dalton, uh, your flash flood warnings in, in the west part of the state end in about uh, four and a half hours. Those of you in the eastern part of the state, uh, you've got your flash flood warnings that are going to expire in about two hours and then you're going to get some more. Uh, how do I know? Well, for example, if you're in the Tacoa area, you've got a flash flood warning that ends in two hours and 20 minutes. Uh, but just five, 10 miles away from you, there's a flash flood warning that ends in five hours and 30 minutes. And all that weather is headed in your direction and more is coming. Don't be fooled by the radar that looks like it's, it's North of middle Georgia. Uh, it is all going to suck up. And in fact, there are a number of schools in middle and South Georgia, Dooley County, uh, Twiggs County, Wilkinson County. They have shut down schools today because of the tornado threat later today. And, and that's the key is in North Georgia, you got some some terrible weather coming right now and in middle Georgia it's going to come later and in south Georgia it's going to come even later this evening for you the further in the day you go the the further south you are in Georgia the worse the weather is expected to be so be careful out there throughout the day uh those of you in in middle Georgia outside of of Dooley County Wilkinson County Twiggs County and, and not every place in Twiggs is shut down uh a lot of it has to do with the amount of rain coming and dirt roads and buses uh, but also there's a tornado situation so stay Stick to wherever you're listening to me right now, on whatever station you are listening to me, anywhere in Georgia, uh, just understand that you've got really bad weather coming today, and you're going to want to stick right here, uh, your local radio station, uh, when the power goes out. Guess what? You'll still be able to get radio stations if you've got power, uh, batteries, uh, or if you've even got cell phone service, you can get one of the various radio streaming services, and all these stations stream, and you're going to want to stick with us. Uh, because the weather is going to suck, uh, and that is the technical meteorological term, suckage in the weather. Now, uh, having said 
all of that, uh, giving you your update, we need to move on to actual news of the day. We will take your phone calls here, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Those of you who are watching me on the internet, if I look like I'm covered in in blood, well, yeah, kind of. I think I got it all. So, you know, I'm on blood thinners. I realize you wanted to start with the news, and here I go off on a tangent. I'm on blood thinners uh, from some clots in my lungs, and good Lord, did I cut myself shaving this morning. I guess I need a new razor. Uh, it's been a mess, and every time it stops bleeding, it suddenly starts again. Too much information for all of you. Events. Harold Macmillan, when he was the British Prime Minister, Harold Macmillan, in the 1950s, you had uh, Winston Churchill, and then you had, uh, what, what's his name, um, Anthony, uh, Sir Anthony Eden, and then you had Harold Macmillan replace Anthony Eden. And uh, there was a great economic turn in Great Britain. The the Suez Canal situation had been resolved. Eden had been thrown out of office. Uh, And and Harold Macmillan comes in and he is asked uh, by a young man what would define his uh, government. And Harold Macmillan's reply was, events, dear boy, events. Events change things. Events always change things. And there is no reason to look at today and project uh, nine months into the future and say, here we are, here we are, uh, this is where we're always going to be. It's simply not true. Uh, Last month, none of you saw the Soleimani attack coming. It happened, and the president's poll numbers dipped because everyone was scared to death that Iran was going to blow us up somehow. They're, they were functionally impotent in their response, and the president's poll numbers rebounded. Democrats have convinced everyone that impeachment would undo the presidency and throw him out of office. Not only did it not, he's more popular today than he was a month ago. No one saw Mitt Romney coming 48 hours ago, 24 hours ago. Uh, people didn't see Mitt Romney coming. Uh, no one saw the collapse of the Iowa caucus. No one even knows right now today. We are now, what, Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday Wednesday, and we're three days out from the Iowa caucus, and no one still knows who's won, although it looks like Bernie Sanders is going to win, events change things. There is no practical, reasonable way at all for you to say that the status quo of today is going to be the status quo in November when the election comes. It is unmistakable, however, today that the president of the United States has had a remarkably good week, and the Democrats have had a remarkably terrible week. Um... Hang on, I got to get you the quote because the quote is too priceless and I can't actually use the words on the radio. And if you're with a child in the car, uh, I I'm I will. <laughs> it's too good not to share with you, though. Iowa Democrats are referring to the Iowa caucus on Monday night as a major. This is a direct quote from a Democratic source, a major corn fed effed up moment. I can say it that way for you. A corn-fed, fouled-up moment. Let's put it to you that way. Uh, Yeah, things not going well for Iowa. So so nobody saw any of that stuff coming. Events change things, and and events are going to keep changing things. CNN has already moved on to town halls. Andrew Yang uh, was at a CNN town hall last night. So um, I see you're wearing your math pen. Yes. Did you offer uh, some help with math to the Democrats in Iowa this past week? Oh, my gosh. One reason I am pumped to be here in New Hampshire (laughs) is you all are going to vote February 11th. And you know when we're going to find out the results? February 11th. (laughs) 
So I guess that's a no. I mean, you know, I mean, it's very, I feel for the, the Democrats and the people of Iowa, uh, but the, the fact is this was really an avoidable error that shot the party in the foot. And it's going to be harder to convince Americans that we can entrust massive systems with government if we can't count votes on the same night in a way that's clear, transparent, and reliable. Yeah. So listen, I know not, all, not 100% of the, the count is in, but let me ask you, since we're talking about Iowa, you got 5% uh, of the vote in Iowa during the first round, but you weren't viable in many precincts, which means you earned about 1% of the state delegates equivalent. What happened? What do you think? Well, 5% was about where we were polling when we went in, but Bill Clinton got less than 3% in Iowa in 1992. He went on to do great here in New Hampshire and become president for two terms. We're hoping we can follow in his footsteps. You know, Andrew Yang is a remarkably nice guy. Uh, he may have some very screwed up policy proposals, like giving everybody a thousand bucks or whatever a month, uh, a, a minimum, a minimum salary to do no work. But he, he's he's a remarkably nice guy. G- give him credit for that. And CNN has already moved on to a scheduled town hall that was scheduled before impeachment, before uh, they, they knew when Iowa was going to be. This was going to be the moment to bound after Iowa into New Hampshire. No one saw Iowa coming. No one, when they scheduled this, knew impeachment was happening or the State of the Union was going to be scheduled. And we, we're already moving on to other stuff. We're already moving on to other stuff. Now, uh, I, I do want to talk about Mitt Romney. Before I talk about Mitt Romney, uh, I, and, and I, I assume uh, my call screener is listening. We are not taking a single call from a single person who thinks Nancy Pelosi broke the law by tearing up that speech. If you have believed that, I'm sorry you've been misled. And if you are now upset with me for telling you that you're wrong, you're an idiot. And I, I'm, I'm not going to mince words with people who believe urban legends on the Internet, including a bunch of idiot congressmen who are out there uh, pulling stuff from from the, the gutter of the Internet, for, from the, the, the stupid corner of the Internet. Nancy Pelosi tore up Donald Trump's speech. She should not have torn up Donald Trump's speech. It was a premeditated act. The Trump campaign is right. Uh, she was telling people in advance she was going to do this, despite the spin right now. But it is a flat out lie to say she broke the law. If you actually read the law that is being cited to claim that Nancy Pelosi was a public official who destroyed government documents. She doesn't even meet the definition of public official in that law. <gasps> oh, but Mr. Erickson, Mr. Erickson, she's a public official. She's a speaker of the... Read the criminal law. If you read the criminal law, it defines the public official about whom the criminal statute applies. And the criminal statute does not apply to members of Congress, of which she is one. So spare me the outrage over Nancy Pelosi breaking the law and lock her up chance as she didn't break the law. I'm sorry you read it on the Internet. Believe it or not, breaking news, breaking news. Not everything you read on the Internet is real. If it was, we would all be surrounded by Sasquatch and the Yeti. She didn't break the law. What she did was highly offensive and inappropriate, and she should apologize, but it was not a criminal act. Now, don't call me to tell me that she needs to be arrested, please. I've already encountered these in emails from people. I've had enough of it. And some of these people are getting mad at me because, by God, they read it on the Internet and I'm not an expert. I was a lawyer and I know how to read the law. Now, we can move on. The president of the United States of America has been acquitted as every single person on the planet except a few fringe Democrats knew he would be. In this article of impeachment, 48 senators have pronounced Donald John Trump, president of the United States, guilty as charged. 
52 senators have pronounced him not guilty as charged. Two-thirds of the senators present not having pronounced him guilty, the Senate adjudges that the respondent, Donald John Trump, President of the United States, is not guilty as charged in the first article of impeachment. There you have it. Done. He, it's the, the President of the United States is not convicted. For all of the Democrats out there saying impeachment is forever, so is his acquittal. You'll have to deal with that. By the way, uh, multiple polling outlets. I, I, I don't like Rasmussen's polling because Rasmussen's polling is so far deviates outside all of the other polls. Uh, it, it go with the polling averages. The polling averages are meaningful. The reason the polling averages are meaningful is because it, it compiles all of the polls that are good. Rasmussen, unfortunately, is in there. I, I, I think Rasmussen is, ever since Scott Rasmussen left, it, it garbage polling. Um, but nonetheless, uh, it is there and take the polling average. Rasmussen is a sensational story about uh, the impeachment uh, now no longer being a concern of anyone, and it's it's circulated among a lot of people. But actually, if you look at the polling averages, impeachment was never really anybody's concern. And so, of course, today, nobody's concerned about it. Everyone knew it wasn't going to happen. The only people who seem to be butthurt about it are a bunch of Democrats who knew it wasn't going to happen anyway, but they wanted the dog and pony show. And now they're out there screaming, he's a dictator, he's a dictator that you're going to go vote against in November. I'm sorry. Do you people not know how dictatorships work? The very fact that you can stand on a street corner and say orange man bad and he's a dictator and go home and sleep well in your bed at night knowing no one's going to come kill you is a pretty good sign. He's not a dictator. Calm down with the rhetoric. Why does everybody have to light their hair on fire these days in American politics? You know, there's real truth and there are real facts and he is not a dictator. He is never going to be a dictator. You can remove him in November if you don't like him. If a enough people agree with you make your case to them and you don't make your case to them by screaming at them but that they're a bunch of um uh, christ to fascist bigots who who hate everybody else come on people learn to make a reasonable argument to persuade people instead of just yelling and that seems to be and yes i'm mindful here i am yelling uh it, it seems like the only thing anybody can do anymore is yell it's ridiculous and today republicans are all yelling about mitt romney spare me the outrage on mitt romney I want to discuss Mitt Romney when we come back. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here across the state of Georgia. The phone number, you want to be a part of the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. If you're listening to me here in Georgia, the weather sucks. Uh, There's your weather forecast for today. Uh, And if you're in South Georgia listening to me right now and you're thinking, hmm, it's not bad outside. Oh, just wait. It, it's going to be bad for you, too. Can we talk about Mitt Romney for a moment? Uh, the, the the American press corps got thigh sweats last night. Uh, Chris Matthews had, had a thrill up his leg over Mitt Romney voting against uh, the president of the United States on one article of impeachment. Romney supported the president on the second article. He was against him on the first article. This was a moment that people who've known Mitt Romney for a long time have always thought he was capable of, but we haven't always seen, right? Nobody's won big money betting on Mitt Romney to take big, bold public stands away from his own political self-interest. That's not been something that he has done throughout the course of his career. But as long as I've known him and covered him and known his family, the thought has been that he's just a good, decent person deep down inside. And I had thought from the minute that the senators took the oath and watching the senators take the oath, that swearing an oath before God for Mitt Romney is like unlocking his super Power. I mean, there's no one in that chamber who was going to take that oath more seriously and more personally. 
You know, so uh, Romney um, is a Mormon. And uh, now listen, don't call me and start lecturing me on, oh, it's Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, the vernacular is he is a, he's a Mormon, and there is a song they sing uh, in Mormon, Mormon churches uh, about uh, do what's right and let the consequences be. And that's what Romney quoted yesterday. I, I get the lyric not precisely right, but you get my point. That's the, the substance of the song, do what's right and let the consequences be. And Romney did what he believed was right. And those who are casting aspersions on him and believe he had some sort of ulterior motive for doing this, that actually says more about the people attacking him uh, than it does about Mitt Romney. The fact is he gains nothing out of doing what he did. I disagree with him. I would have acquitted the president, uh, but Mitt Romney didn't. Uh, Big whoop. Here's, Here's the data you need to understand. In 2016, Donald Trump got 500,000 votes in Michigan, 515,231 votes. That's in Michigan, Utah, 515,231 votes in Utah. In fact, uh, if you add up all the votes cast in Utah uh, against Donald Trump, uh, the anti-Trump vote was over 50%. Hillary Clinton, Evan McMullen, I mean, for gosh sakes, Evan McMullen got 21.5% of the vote in Utah, the third-party candidate. Uh, He, Clinton, and Gary Johnson combined got over 50% of the vote. There was a clear anti-Trump vote. For perspective on how much of an anti-Trump vote there was, Mike Lee in 2016 got 760,000 votes to Donald Trump's 515,000 votes in Utah. Come 2018, Mitt Romney got, uh, I got the data right here. Where is it? Uh, 665,000 votes. So Mitt Romney got more than 100,000 more votes than Donald Trump got out of Utah. Mitt Romney is more in line with Utah than Trump. Now, I, I mentioned this yesterday evening on social media, and people started throwing a poll at me that showed the president was was um, more popular in Utah than Mitt Romney or Mike Lee. Yes, there is a single poll out there that shows that. There are three other polls out there that shows the president is not as popular as Utah's homegrown sons, and they, they say Mitt Romney is one, even though he's not really. But the fact of the matter is Mitt Romney is one senator from one state, and the president is not convicted. The president is acquitted. Uh, the president, the Democrats, even with Mitt Romney, could not get 50, 50 votes. They couldn't get a majority of the, of the Senate to convict the president. So who cares? The amount of emotional energy spent on Mitt Romney by people who hate him and didn't like him to begin with uh, is, is rather silly. The Democrats, of course, have always hated Mitt Romney. It is hysterical to me to see the media bending over backwards to praise Mitt Romney today when tomorrow they're going to tear him up again. And do you know why the media is going to turn on Mitt Romney tomorrow? Because Mitt Romney votes for the president's agenda 81% of the time in the Senate. Actually, technically, it's 79% of the time now because of the impeachment vote. But uh, moments before the impeachment vote, I actually looked it up. Mitt Romney was more um, a more reliable vote for the president than five other U.S. Republican U.S. senators, including Rand Paul, Mike Lee, Susan Collins, and Lisa Murkowski. There's one other. And today, uh, after the impeachment vote, uh, Mitt Romney is still a more reliable vote for the president than Rand Paul, Mike Lee, and Susan Collins, and Lisa Murkowski. And Mitt Romney is more likely to vote for one of the president's judicial nominees than six of the other Republicans, whose names I forget now. Uh, You you can say he's a Democrat, he's a never-Trumper, but Mitt Romney resides more reliably with the president than at least five other Republicans and every other Democrat in the Senate. Those are just the facts. 
You can be mad at him. You can want him gone. You can want him recalled. But the fact is, he's going to be a senator until 2024, and you'll have to move to Utah to vote against him. I see no reason to get worked up about Mitt Romney the way some people are. It is Eric Erickson, and yes, you can call in 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Just for those of you, and again, I mean, every radio station we're on right now, until my plans of global domination uh, happen, we're in Georgia. I want to take care of the folks in Georgia, and right now the heart of the storm is running through the Atlanta area, the Roswell area, uh, up to Jasper. If you're in Jasper, you got a lot of lightning in your area. Uh, Dalton, you got some lightning in your area. Rome as well. Uh, and then if you're out over in the Clarksville area, you and then all the way up, really uh, up to uh, Clayton, Georgia. There, there's some clearing. But uh, in a in a line, let's see. Well, uh, Clarksville, you're about to get into some other nasty rain, and and just to the east, up through Tallulah Falls and Clayton, it's clear. But it man, it's coming back on you, and there's some very very heavy rain about 15 miles north of Clarksville right now, headed up towards the North Carolina line. Uh, Young Harris, Blue Ridge, Hiawassee, you are going to get some heavier rain inbound as well. So uh, just obviously make sure your headlights are on if you're driving out there as well. Um, But if you're listening to my voice right now, you got a flash flood warning if you're north of Macon. Uh, So keep that in mind, please. Now, let's get to the phones. Uh, The phone number again, 877-97-ERIC. Remember, it's E-R-I-C-K. So 877-973-7425. Daniel, you're going to be up first. Welcome. Eric, it's good to hear you back on the air from being sick, um, Thank as you. always. And uh, it was a, it was a great day yesterday. It was probably uh, probably one of the best birthdays I've had. The Bulldogs finished number one in the recruiting class, and the president gets uh, exonerated. <laughs> there you go. Happy birthday. Uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, my uh, thoughts and points to what's going on is, uh, do you actually think that the Utah Republicans are going to revolt and, um, I guess, vote him out of office? Because really, those are the only ones that, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's it. So it. It, it, the, the Supreme Court years ago, and, and Daniel, thanks for the phone call. Years ago, the Supreme Court ruled that recalls against members of Congress are unconstitutional. Why? Because there's no recall provision in the U.S. Constitution. And so you can't recall Mitt Romney. Utah has no law to recall Mitt Romney, and he's and he's not up for re-election again until 2024. So you got four more years of Mitt Romney in Utah, uh, whether you like it or not. And the people of Utah like Mitt Romney. Uh, they, they have always liked the Romney. Again, Mitt Romney got more votes in Utah than Donald Trump got in Utah. Uh, here's Chris Wallace talking to Mitt Romney. Talk about the consequences. You realize... This is war. Donald Trump will never forgive you for this. There's a, uh, there's a hymn that is uh, sung in my church. It's an old Protestant hymn, which is, uh, do what is right, let the consequence follow. Uh, I know in my heart that I'm doing what's right. I understand there's going to be enormous consequence. And, uh, and I don't have a choice in that regard. That's why, that's why I haven't um, uh, been anxious to be in the position I'm in. I, when I heard there was going to be an uh, impeachment investigation, as I heard the evidence that was coming forward, I dreaded the responsibility I'd have. Uh, but I was not willing to abdicate the responsibility given to me by the Constitution, nor to ignore my conscience out of personal and political uh, uh, significance. I mean, I, I, considerations. I mean, I, I had to follow my conscience. 
Uh, you know, I, I do have to say, old Protestant hymn. Uh, just it was written. It's a hymn sung by the Mormon Church since 1891. Um, not really in the Protestant Church. Uh, it, it's them now. Um, okay. I, I think we can move on from Mitt Romney. We can probably move on from impeachment. I do want to play one more little bit of Chris, Chris Wallace, though, last night uh, before we get back into your phone calls. Yeah, I want to talk about peace and regular order. I found uh, the, the comments from the uh, majority leader and the Democratic leader thanking the pages and the Capitol Police and the Chief Justice and giving him a golden gavel oddly comforting because it's the way things are supposed to work. Everybody acted gracefully and graciously. And it was such a contrast to what we saw last night in the State of the Union address. And, and you know, you do hope, exactly as you say, for some, some peace and, and quiet and regular order. Even newsmen, I think, are hoping for that. In terms of, of what we saw there with the roll call, you know, there was, a, there was a gravity to it. You know, we knew what the result was going to be, but to hear the senators getting up, not saying A's and nays, but saying guilty or not guilty as to whether or not the president of the United States should be removed from office, it, it's a pretty dramatic and grave moment. And uh, as far as the political impact, I think you'd have to say that Donald Trump is better off now than he was uh, when this impeachment process began. He's had a, a number of bipartisan successes on trade deals. The economy is rolling along. Tri uh, the Gallup poll just came out. It's the highest he's had in his presidency, 49%. But you, we can't forget it is a 50-50, bitterly divided nation. And as we saw last night with the, the speaker ripping up the president's State of the Union speech as he as he left and the bitter divide over issues, maybe we'll get some peace and quiet, but uh, this is going to be a tough, bitterly fought campaign. Yes, it is. And I think we can move on from impeachment now. I, in fact, I'm going to move on to Chad calling from Rockmart. Chad, how are you? Uh, Chad, you there? Well, I cannot hear. Up oh, there you hey. are, Chad. Okay. What's going on? I see your email, too. Yeah, I was wondering if you'd mind, I keep hearing blurbs about this Georgia Senate bill for 317 about demolishing or getting rid of county sheriff departments. I was wondering if you kind of could explain what in the world they're trying to do. Yes. Uh, okay. So this this one is, is flying under the radar. And is, let, let me explain this to you. So Georgia law, for those of you outside of Georgia, this is one of the funny things about Georgia. Uh, it, Georgia establishes the sheriff as a constitutional position in each of our counties. And under the under the Constitution in Georgia, the sheriff gets whatever he wants in terms of budget. It is actually a, a very bizarre provision of Georgia law that has not been repealed. If, a, if the sheriff shows up tomorrow and tells the county that he needs a billion dollars to run the sheriff's office, guess what your county needs to do? Go find the sheriff a billion dollars. You think I'm making it up. Uh, this has been a big issue in Augusta in, in the past, uh, the sheriff there have been very heavy-handed. Uh, so what some counties have done uh, because of, of their, their dictatorial sheriffs is they've created county police departments. So you've got a sheriff's department, but what does the sheriff actually do under, under the Georgia Constitution? Under the Georgia Constitution, uh, the, the sheriff actually only has two roles. Uh, one role is to uh, maintain security of the courthouse, and the other is to maintain a jail. 
not actually to run a sheriff's department with sheriff's deputies and sheriff's patrols and all that. Uh, but typically that's the way uh, it works. And well, some sheriffs, their budgets get out of hand and their sheriff's departments grow too big. And so counties get fed up. They've consolidated counties in some cases. And so they create a county police department that is not the sheriff's department. So you have a, a, uh, a police chief or a police marshal and you have a police department that is under that police chief and that police chief is accountable to whom? To the county commission, who the sheriff is not accountable to. And so the law enforcement function goes to a police department now that is under control of a county. Well, there are some counties that set this up uh, that got legislative approval to do this. You had to get legislative approval to set up a county police department separate from a sheriff's department. And in some of those counties would like to get rid of those police departments now and actually let the sheriff take it back over as a constitutionally elected officer. Well, there's a problem. Uh, these counties that set up these countywide police departments, uh, there's no provision in the law to get rid of the police departments once they're set up. So uh, a number of members of the state Senate have come together uh, from North Georgia, where this is actually a bigger issue. South Georgia doesn't really have the situation. Uh, uh, William uh, Ligon, Mike Dugan, uh, Chuck Huff Settler, Steve Gooch, uh, Butch Miller, and Jeff Mullis. It's Senate Bill 317 uh, for county police. It, it, the title is a method for the abolition of a county police department and returning law enforcement functions to the sheriff. And, and that's why uh, these counties set up police departments years ago because of out-of-control sheriffs. Those sheriffs are gone. The situations have remedied themselves. They don't need their local police departments anymore. The sheriff has proven to be competent in doing this stuff, but there's no actual legal mechanism to get rid of a county police department once it's set up. So this would do this. Uh, it is making its way through the Senate. It looks like it may actually pass. Uh, it's made it to a committee. The committee has favorably reported reported it out. Uh, it has uh, been read the second time on the floor of the Senate, and it should probably come up for a vote this week. It is not a controversial measure, which is, it sounds controversial. Why are we getting rid of police departments? But that's actually why is it, it's to, to go back to letting the sheriff uh, run these things. Now, I, I, I hopefully I, that provides the adequate answer. Probably more information, Chad, than you wanted to know. But uh, thanks for calling and asking. Happy to, to to make it up if I don't know the answer. I'm kidding. I know the answer. Okay. Uh, let me, I, I said I wanted to move on from Georgia, but there are a couple of, from impeachment. There are a couple of housekeeping notes on impeachment we should review before we move on. Uh, one of the things is Doug Jones in Alabama. There are a lot of people thinking, uh, oh, my goodness, Doug Jones has just sabotaged his reelection bid in Alabama by voting to impeach the president. The people who say that don't understand Alabama. In fact, if you hear a political pundit say Doug Jones has just sabotaged his reelection bid in Alabama, you should immediately unfollow that person on social media, block them, shame them, embarrass them because that's stupid punditry. Doug Jones could have voted to acquit the president of the United States and have the president's baby, and he would still lose reelection. Okay, if he wanted to have the president's baby, he would definitely do it. But you, you get my point. Doug Jones could declare Donald Trump the Messiah and lose in Alabama. Doug Jones could actually become a Republican and lose in Alabama. Doug Jones is not getting reelected in Alabama no matter what he does. The problem with Doug Jones is that nobody in Alabama likes him, including a lot of the Democrats. A lot of the Democrats in Alabama sent him to Washington, D.C. To, to be a foil to the Trump administration. And what happened is he got to Washington and he thought he could walk the tightrope. You know how politicians, they go to Washington and they're going to try to please everyone. It's what Kristen Cinema does. She votes with the president about 48% of the time. 
she she's got to please the she's got to please the the um she's got to please the Democrats to keep her office, but she also needs to keep her. Um, she's got to keep some of the Republicans in Arizona happy. I'm sorry, folks. I want to jump in real quick. Uh, well, I'm live because I know I'm live on the stations here. And I know that, uh, some of these stations don't have, uh, a, a, an ability to do this. So I'm going to a tornado warning has just cropped up. Uh, if you are in central Oconee County in Northeast Georgia, Eastern Clark County in Northeast Georgia, Northwestern Oglethorpe County, in Northeastern Georgia, or Southeastern Madison County, Northeastern Georgia, until 1015, you have a, uh, active tornado warning. A severe thunderstorm capable of producing a tornado was located just west of Watkinsville, moving northeast at 55 miles an hour. Radar indicates there is rotation. There will be flying debris, uh, dangerous to anyone not in shelter. There could be damage to roofs, windows, and vehicles occurring. Tree damage is likely. The locations impacted include Watkinsville, Athens, Comer, Winterville, uh, Colbert, Carlton, Bishop, Hull, Athens, Clark County, Whitehall, Smithonia, Beechwood Hills, uh, Dunlap, uh, the State Botanical Gardens of Georgia, and the Watson Mill Bridge State Park. Please, if you were in this area, I can see the rotation on the radar I have up. Sure enough, uh, wow. Yeah, just north of Watkinsville, between Watkinsville and Athens there. Uh, there is something spinning lightly on the radar. So please, again, uh, the National Weather Service just issuing this active tornado warning for my listeners who are in uh, Oconee County, Clark County, Oglethorpe County, and Madison County. Please take shelter if you are in those counties. For the rest of you, you still have active flash flood warnings. Uh, again, uh, the flash flood warning starting to fade out now. I was say north of Macon now. If you are north of I-20, uh, you have either an active uh, flood warning or an active severe thunderstorm warning on you right now. So please be careful on the road today. Those of us in middle Georgia and South, uh, it, it is not raining right now, uh, outside my studio here in Macon. It was a little while ago, but it's going to be worse for us later in the day. Uh, again, though, um, I feel obligated to do this cause I know a couple of the stations I'm on don't have the ability necessarily to do it except for the automated warning service. And I want y'all to know that Oconee Clark, Oglethorpe and Madison counties. There's a tornado in your area right now. It appears on radar, according to the National Weather Service. So please be careful. Um, okay, so we've got Doug Jones. He's toast no matter what. Don't pay attention to any pundit who said he sabotaged himself. He was never going to win any anyway. And then a lot of people say, what about Susan Collins? Susan Collins in Maine. What's going to happen with Susan Collins? Is Susan Collins. Gonna... The people of Maine do not care. They have not cared in forever. Even the Democrats in Maine have gone silent on this issue against Susan Collins. National Democrats are screaming. You know, believe it or not, people in Washington, D.C. cannot vote for Susan Collins. People in New York cannot vote for Susan Collins. It is the people in Maine who can vote for Susan Collins. And despite all of the hype, bluster and screaming, it is extremely notable that there is not a single Maine person right now who cares about impeachment. 68% of voters in Maine said that they want to deal with this in November. 55% of Maine voters said they don't care. 
Susan Collins has nothing to worry about on the impeachment. She's got other problems in Maine, but impeachment is not one of them. It is notable that no one is running attacks on Susan Collins on the airwaves in Maine about impeachment right now, including that Lincoln group thing that that was supposedly the the Republican group wanting to hold Republicans accountable. Uh, They're not even running ads in Maine. They put something out, uh, put it on the Internet so CNN would run it, but they're not even running it. Uh, Susan Collins is perfectly safe in Maine, and there's no way Doug Jones is going to win reelection no matter what in in Alabama. So that explains where they went with impeachment. And by the way, uh, Mitt Romney is still a more reliable vote for uh, Donald Trump's agenda in the Senate than Susan Collins. Uh, just clarifying, I, I, wanna, I actually had two different people uh, email me this. Um, the, the, one of the reasons I, I wanted to do the, the storm warnings, particularly the tornado warning, there's a tornado warning in, in the Clark County, Oglethorpe County, Madison County area, is they've got the automated weather service uh, situation from the National Weather Service, these stations. Uh, but eh, those things go away and you're not paying attention. And I just want to make sure all my listeners in Georgia are safe. Uh, and it is coming for those of us down in the Macon area. So, so I broadcast the show in Macon. My flagship station is actually in Athens. Uh, through the miracle of the internet, we get the show there, and, and they push it out to everyone. And where I am in May, I'm in North Bibb County right now, and it is not raining outside my house at all. But rain is incoming imminently. It is in uh, Monroe County right now, and it is supposed to be worse this afternoon. In fact, I saw. Uh, in fact, I was listening uh, on on WMAC, our affiliate in Macon, this morning. Uh, I was listening and some of the local schools in middle Georgia, Dooley County, Wilkinson County, Twiggs County, that a lot of the schools are shut down because of the weather coming in this afternoon into middle Georgia. And then later this evening into South Georgia is supposed to be extraordinarily bad. Uh, there's something like, I, I think I heard him say uh, this morning on, on the news that there was like 45% chance of tornadic activity in the central and middle Georgia area. I, you know, I have lived in, in Macon since 1993 and I have no idea central Georgia versus middle Georgia. Uh, half the people use one and, and half the people use the other. It's just middle Georgia as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so, so the weather's going to suck for us later. For those of you in North Georgia, it, it is, it is technically the, the term is suckage right now. It is, it is miserable. Uh, the good news for those of you in the North, West corner of the state, Rome and all, you're you're going to be Dalton. You're going to be out of rain here in just a little while. It's starting to fade. The bad news is, if you're in the northeast part of the state, like the Clarksville area, uh, you're about to get slammed again with more rain. Uh, just when you thought it was out of it. The worst part, though, is in the Winterville area, the whole Georgia area. Uh, there's severe. Th- there's actually an active tornado warning. I can, you know. So I've got this amazing radio. There's a story that I can't tell you guys on the radio as to as to why I have this this whole setup. But I've got an amazing radar setup uh, for my studio that I use uh, sometimes, even in the evenings on my, my other radio show. And I can zoom down to the streets and see where this stuff is. And it is bad between Hull and Winterville, Georgia right now. That is to the east of Athens. Uh, there is uh, hail and lightning and... Uh, there is a, a little rotation there, which is why there is a uh, tornado warning. Um, it, but the whole state's going to be bad today. So stick right here, wherever you are, wherever you're listening to me. This here station is going to keep you safe as best we can and keep you dry as best we can. But make sure your your lights are on if you get outside. I realize that is way more weather than I intend to ever do on the show. But uh, this is just one of those days here in the state of Georgia. Now, we need to move on to state politics when we come back. There is a huge budget fight shaping up 
up in the state legislature in Georgia. Uh, you've got the governor's office taking on the speaker and the speaker of the House siding with Democrats against uh, Republicans in the state. It is a wonder the Republicans in the state House continue to let this guy be speaker. There are a lot of details out there, and, and I, I gotta, I've got to talk about a story that infuriates me, and it's coming to wherever you are in Georgia. It is those stupidly offensive speed detection cameras in school zones. I know some of you like them. I, 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 we got to talk about them, though, because there is a very interesting story about the top company being used for these things causing problems in other states you should know about. I want to introduce you guys to a new sponsor, Blue Vine. Growing a business is hard, especially when your cash flow doesn't match the speed of your growth. I've been there. Blue Vine can provide you with access to the fast funding your business needs with funding solutions tailored to you. It's an easy, fast way to help support your business growth with a line of credit up to $250,000. Whether you need money to offset upfront costs, secure inventory, or pay an unexpected expense through Blue Vine, you can help yourself and your business stay secure for any reason. There is no fee to set up your line of credit, and Blue Vine never charges maintenance or prepayment fees. And applying is easy. You just go to getbluevine.com slash Eric. You fill out a few simple details. And when you're done with your application, it's done within minutes and you see an offer. It's not going to affect your credit score. And once approved, funds can be received in as little as 24 hours. Blue Vine has helped more than 20,000 customers and has delivered over $2.5 billion in funds for businesses. For listeners of this podcast, Blue Vine is offering a limited time promotion of a $100 gift card when you take out a loan or open a line of credit with Blue Vine. Go to getbluevine.com slash Eric for more details. All you need to do is go to getbluevine.com slash Eric and apply. It's quick, easy, meaningful way to help your business in as little as 24 hours. And the promotional offer is subject to terms and conditions that can be found at getbluevine.com slash Eric. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across Georgia. This hour is sponsored by Dynamic Money. I want to get back to that, but we've got a a situation everybody needs to know about, particularly if you're in our affiliates uh, north of I-20. There are two active tornado warnings happening right now. Uh, One is happening. It expires in about five minutes. Uh, It is just to the east of Athens. Uh, This is now, it has been revised several times now. Right now it is Oglethorpe, uh, Georgia, in the Madison, Georgia area. You have have an active uh, tornado warning in your area. Uh, You've got another one. Uh, This one is a pretty sizable area with a storm rapidly moving through. Uh, Barrow County, uh, Walton County, and Jackson County, you've got an active tornado warning. Uh, At uh, 9.58 a.m., a severe thunderstorm capable of producing a tornado was located over Youth. Uh, I had no idea there was a place called Youth in Georgia. In any event, uh, nine miles west of Monroe, Georgia, moving northeast at 65 miles an hour. That gives you an indication of how quickly the storm is moving through. This other one, uh, they have now actually extended out this uh, National Weather Service warning a couple more minutes. They were going to get rid of it. Uh, But at uh, 10.02 a.m., a severe thunderstorm capable of producing a tornado was located over Colbert uh, near Danielsville, moving at 55 miles an hour. Uh, This is for Oglethorpe County and, and Madison County. I said Madison, Georgia, Madison County. Uh, this one, uh, tornado warning stretch, stretches from the Atlanta metro area, south of Loganville, all the way up towards commerce. Uh, it is a very fast moving storm. There is rotation. I can see it on my radar that I have up, uh, very significant. Now, those of you further up in North, 
uh, East Georgia. If you're in the Clarksville area, you are under a flash flood warning. In fact, every single person listening to me north of I-20 right now is in a flash flood warning in addition to these two tornado warnings. Uh, if you're in the Clarksville area in Northeast Georgia, uh, you, this uh, severe uh, this flash flood warning is going to go for another two hours. You have more incoming severe weather as well. Uh, if you're in the Lula, Georgia area, uh, south of Demarest and Clarksville, you have significant rain and lightning uh, in your area. And if you're in the Rome and Dalton area, all the way to the northeast part of the state, you are clearing out of rain, but you've got a flash flood warning now that is going to last for hours longer. Just to give you an extent of how much rain they've had in the Rome area, even as it's beginning to clear out there right now, they've got another four hours in this flash flood warning. And the Dalton area has another four hours in their flash flood warning. These are active warnings with a lot of rain. It is going to clear out in northwest Georgia and then more storms are coming. Now, if you're in middle Georgia, I'm down in Macon. And if you are in middle Georgia, the rain is only beginning to impact you. There are bands of showers uh, in the uh, moving through the Monroe County area into the Monticello area. They're moving north. Uh, there is rain south uh, in the Albany area. It is uh, lightly scattered areas blowing through Americas right now. It is headed into middle Georgia. It'll be impacting Macon here in the next hour. And then moving up from there, uh, the Perry, Georgia area going to be having some rain here. And again, that is all light stuff. Uh, the very bad stuff is in North Georgia. Here's the problem. Don't get confident because there's a lot of rain south of us in Florida that is moving north. So all of this stuff appears to be clearing out in Georgia and you're going to get more of it this afternoon. In fact, in the middle Georgia and South Georgia area, they're expecting the weather to be so bad this afternoon. A lot of counties have canceled schools. And my kid got to school this morning and called me and said, dad, everybody else has canceled school. Why can't I come home? I said, because I got life insurance on you. <laughs> She was not happy with that answer. That is what I told her. Uh, <laughs> she was really not happy with me. None the, she'll be fine. They'll all be fine. Uh, again, though, just to recap, the two big ones. Uh, there is an active tornado warning right now. It, it Four more minutes. It, it is winding down, uh, but it is in Madison County and Oglethorpe County. The big one that everybody needs to pay attention to, uh, even those of you north of it, Please pay attention to it. Uh, there is a severe thunderstorm warning in Barrow County and Jackson County and Walton County. It is a very significant storm moving through there right now. I can see it on. It is going to impact northern Clark County here in just a little bit. Uh, Commerce, you're going to be hit by it here very shortly as well. And Clarksville, you are going to be affected by this next band of rain that is coming through. So northwest Georgia, you got it easy for the rest of the day, it appears. Uh, and northeast Georgia, it's going to suck for probably five more hours. That is the technical term for the weather today, suckage. Now, uh, I need to move on to Georgia news. Uh, we will take your phone calls as well here at the Eric Erickson Show. The phone number, if you want to be a part of the program, is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Oh, before I forget, I meant to do this last hour, and, and, and we got so many phone calls and stuff. I didn't. Uh, I got this from WRGA. Speaking of Rome, our affiliate up in Rome uh, had this story. The Georgia Department of Public Health is reporting 42 people have died thus far from the flu in Georgia this year. 42 people. For perspective, if you're listening to press reports globally, something like 400 people have died of the coronavirus from China. But is that true? Why, why, why would I question that? Well, there's a, 
there's a company in China called Tencent. It is a mini, if you've got a kid in the United States, you probably know Tencent as a maker of video games. But it is actually a Chinese conglomerate, and as a Chinese conglomerate, handles a bunch of stuff, including uh, cable and internet news. Tencent is essentially uh, Time Warner in China. And Tencent, someone at Tencent, has been updating their website with the infectious infections and death counts for the Wuhan coronavirus. And people have now noticed this happen a couple of times where they put a very large number in and then the number disappears and the official number from the government comes out. And there are there's a growing suspicion because of also some video footage in China that's come out that the coronavirus is actually far more deadly and far more widespread than, than people actually think. According to the Tencent website, uh, which think of it as going to CNN.com, basically, uh, the Tencent website, uh, it, it showed for a while 154,023 infections and 24,589 deaths. Now, the official total from China is like two to 400 deaths and a couple thousand infections. And people are really beginning to believe that it's far worse. And the reason they're beginning to believe it's far worse is because a number of people in Georgia have um, a number of people in Georgia are not in Georgia. Good Lord. Uh, in China have released footage. They, they've been able to get around the Chinese firewall or circulate it to friends outside of China footage of dead bodies in the streets, uh, piles of body bags at hospitals, uh, overflowing morgues, and there are a lot of people uh, who are putting out more and more videos of lots of dead people in China. And it's looking more and more. And the fact that the Chinese refuse to let the CDC in. Uh, China is allowing the American CDC to get into China now. And it is, but they're limiting their access to places like Wuhan, which does again raise the issue of uh, what it actually is going on. And people are very concerned about it. You've got a cruise ship now off the Japanese coast where 20 people have the Wuhan virus, coronavirus. They're not allowing anyone to get off. Americans are being evacuated uh, by the American government. They're flying them to a military base in, in California, and they are keeping them in quarantine for 14 days, but getting them out of China. Uh, man, y'all, one more. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I really do want to get to this other stuff, but I, I just I think this is so important. Uh, we've now got a new tornado warning uh, for Elbert County and Hart County in Georgia. This is on the South Carolina line. Uh, this storm that's been moved, blowing through the Athens area is, is headed towards South Carolina. Got a new active tornado warning for 29 minutes. If you are in Hart County or Elbert County, uh, there is a severe thunderstorm southwest of Bowman moving at 40. 55 miles an hour that has significant rotation and all these I can see. So we've got three tornado warnings uh, to the west and the east of Athens uh, headed up and the further north you go in Georgia, the worse the rain is. So be careful out there. So, okay, now let me move into this Georgia stuff. There is a fight breaking out of the state legislature. In fact, the state legislature here in Georgia has largely decided they got to go home. You know, our legis I was explaining to, to a friend of mine who's moved up from Florida how it works. Years ago in the Georgia legislature, I believe it was Georgia House, uh, there was a legislator, very famous legislator. I know his son, um, but this guy, Denmark Groover, was a famous Georgia legislator. And in Georgia law, uh, the, the, the legislature meets for 40 days. 
And at midnight on the 40th day, it doesn't matter what is pending. If the vote's not not done, uh, everything gets shut down and, and goes away. Well, this measure was pending on the floor. He wanted to vote, and Denmark Gruver tried to climb to the balcony of the House of Representatives and pull the hands of the clock back uh, to prevent it from getting to midnight so his legislation could pass. I believe it failed, uh, but it was his claim to fame. And, and the legislature got 40 days. And if it can't do everything it needs to do in 40 days, it has to go into a special session. And the governor typically doesn't like to have it go into special session. So uh, the legislature is having to go home. And the reason the Georgia legislature is going to have to go home is there is a huge budget fight over the governor's budget. And it is a fight between Republicans for a number of reasons. Governor Kemp promised teachers a pay raise. Members of the state legislature promised an additional tax cut. And there is a big fight in the legislature among Republicans. Is it possible to cut taxes and also pay teachers a pay raise? Part of the problem, interestingly enough, is the film tax credit, which I don't, I have spoken ad nauseum in the past about the film tax credit in Georgia. I don't want to get back into it, but essentially we have a billion dollar film tax credit now in Georgia. And, uh, takes up more than 10% of the budget. We could we could add 10% more money to the coffers in Georgia without the film tax credit. Now, no one is advocating getting rid of it. Some people are advocating putting a cap on it. Uh, but it, we've got a bunch of credits, and it's not just that. When Delta gets a fuel tax credit, we got a bunch of credits in the state uh, that maybe we don't need or we could scale back. And at the same time, if you'll recall, last year the, the legislature – gave a tax cut in Georgia. And the reason they gave a tax cut was actually to prevent a tax increase. And this sounds somewhat counterintuitive. I, uh, let me explain this to you real quick. And I, I can make this one easy. When the federal government readjusted uh, tax rates after the Trump tax cut, what happened was it was causing a lot of states to see reportable income to state governments go up. Even though your income had not changed, what your adjusted income tax was on your income taxes went up and it was giving states a windfall in taxes. What Georgia decided to do was to give an income tax cut so that there would be no windfall to the state of Georgia because of the federal government's tax cut. So Georgia's income tax was status quo. It didn't change. But what some of the Republicans in the Georgia legislature said they wanted to do was to actually give a real income tax cut, not just cut taxes to avoid anyone getting a, a tax hike because your adjustable income was was affected based on the federal tax cut. They actually wanted to give you a real tax cut. So in addition to not increasing your taxes through the tax cut, they wanted to give you a real tax cut that actually decreased the amount of taxes you pay. There's a problem. Georgia's on very good economic times right now, really good economic times right now. And income to the state coffers is stagnant. Despite a huge economic boon in Georgia, Georgia has the lowest unemployment in, in Georgia history, and the state isn't seeing that come into the state coffers in terms of taxes, which typically happens. And the legislature, many of them, the Speaker of the House included, have still wanted to give a tax cut. The governor has said he would like to give a tax cut. The problem is he promised teachers a pay raise. They haven't had a pay raise in a long time. And the governor is afraid if he cuts taxes on everybody, it's going to make it harder to give teachers a pay raise. And his priority is giving teachers a pay raise that has long been promised by multiple administrations, himself included. He 
gave them part of it. He wants to give them the rest of it. And the Speaker of the House in Georgia has decided he would rather cut taxes than give teachers a pay raise. Now, there are a lot of Republicans out there who say, give me a tax cut. I would love a tax cut. And you're wise to say that because tax cuts are good. The problem is that uh, there's not an economist left, right, or center out there who is willing to say that Georgia's got an, it doesn't have a problem. Georgia has a revenue problem. Our revenue problem, though, and here's what you need to understand. Our revenue problem is not because we need a tax increase. Our revenue problem is because the way the state collects taxes and the way the state gives tax credits to certain industries has meant that some of the industries that are growing the fastest in Georgia are now denying the state more and more of the revenue. And and you could say that's fine. They're creating jobs, and a lot of them are. But many of the jobs that are being created by these industries are low-income jobs. So, again, they're creating jobs, but they're jobs for people who still need supplemental assistance from the government because they're not being paid a lot of money. There's a huge complex problem here. And essentially what's happening is the Speaker of the House is saying he wants an income tax cut, but he doesn't really. He just wants to sabotage the governor's budget and make the governor look bad because the Speaker of the House does not like Brian Kemp, has never liked Brian Kemp, and is doing everything he can to sabotage the Kemp agenda. And the governor's office is starting to fight back, and it's going to be interesting to watch this fight take shape. I promised I would send out a recipe today, and I will. I'm just not sure when. Uh, Continuing to watch these storms move through, if you're in South Georgia now, the Albany area, the Bainbridge area, Americus, you're starting to have storms move in from the Florida, Alabama area into your area. And those of us here in middle Georgia about to get rain in the next hour or two, and those of you in north Georgia, well, it sucks for y'all right now. If you're in Rome and Dalton, you're laughing at the rest of us because y'all are my only two of affiliates where it's not currently raining and ha, you're about to get more rain too. Uh, nothing heavy, but more rains coming to, to Northwest Georgia. So, ah, uh, where, where am I? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this now because I put this off for three days and I'm not going to put it off any longer. I am morally opposed and you need to understand this. It, it is, and I'm probably going to carry this on over into the next, after the next break. I, I actually am legitimately morally opposed and it is a it is a matter of of morals and principle for me. I am morally opposed to speed detection cameras, red light cameras, but more importantly, the new cameras that are being installed in Georgia for speed detection in school zones. And I, I really we're doing it for the children. We gotta save the babies. I I I understand that's where you're starting, but you and I both know that that's not where they want to stop. They're doing it there, and then they are going to spread it. And it's going to be an ins- a plague funded by lobbyists. You know who the lobbyists for the, the speed cameras are in Georgia? Speaker Ralston's son. And do you know that that law could potentially be challenged in court because the legislature waited until after midnight on the last day of the session to pass it. And arguably, the law is invalid because it was passed after midnight uh, at the session. In fact, I was told by a senior member of the state Senate, they knew they couldn't kill it, uh, but they ensured it was after midnight before it was passed in case someone ever wanted to challenge it. I was actually told that by a, a very ranking member of the, of the state Senate. Now, here here's the thing. 
Uh, Roswell, Georgia is the latest city in this state to start doing speed cameras in school zones. And let's all acknowledge, even those like me who are morally opposed to these things, and I'll I'll explain why I say morally opposed, and it actually is a moral issue for me. Um, And the reason that, that people are doing it is because we don't have enough police officers in Georgia, and we actually do. Uh, to patrol school zones and people are speeding through school zones. And so they want to set up speed cameras so that if you're within, if you're over 10 miles an hour of the speed limit in these, these areas, you get a ticket. And they are, they do work. People do eventually slow down, but really they're revenue enhancers. That's really why they're there. You can say all day that they are to encourage people to slow down in school zones. They're doing it for the children. God forbid we run over a child who happens to be on a school bus that's actually pulling into a parking lot as opposed to to being on a street. Um, but uh, they're revenue enhancers, and, and they expand. All the states that have them typically started in school zones, and then the states said, oh, we'll, we'll expand them from here. I want to explain to you why I'm actually morally opposed to these things, and I do mean that seriously when we come back. Yeah, you know, if you want the podcast of the show or the daily email for the show, text the word show to 33777. I'll send you back a link to uh, the the Apple podcast and the Google Play podcast links. Uh, and, and also you can get signed up for the daily email. I do send out a daily email of, of news and thoughts and all the stuff conservatives need to know. Um, there is still an active tornado warning in Elbert and Hart County right there on the South Carolina line for another 10 minutes. If you are, if you are, it, it was everywhere north of I-20. And now it's basically, if you are, if your county has I-85 running through it or you're north of I-85, you've got a uh, flash flood warning uh, in effect still. And you got more rain coming in through northwest or northeast Georgia. And you're going to get more rain coming through now in north northwest Georgia. Rome is going to get some more rain here. Dalton is going to get some more rain here as well. Uh, Jasper too. And this line of storms, the heaviest part of it is uh, goes along I-85 now from uh, LaGrange all the way to Greenville, South Carolina. You've got very, very heavy rain. Um, and uh, just just uh, be advised. Also, I just got a note. Uh, those of you up in the Habersham County areas, uh, please stay off the roads. There's a lot of running water and standing water. Lots of uh, people up there not being able to get out of the driveways. Uh, it's kind of funny. So I, the uh, Jeff up in uh, Habersham County at WCHM just emailed me this to tell me this. And I actually just got one from a listener up there as well. Uh, Doris telling me the same thing. <laughs> Could I please tell people don't get on the roads anywhere near Habersham County. It's bad. And here's uh, for those of you up in the Clarksville area, just so you understand what's going on. Uh, my radar right now, let's see the last time it updated was, yeah, it, it, it's current update. So it looks like it, you're, it's starting to clear out in, in the Habersham County area, but it's not actually, there's actually heavier rain south of you moving north. Uh, it's going to blow through Clarksville up to Tallulah Falls and Clayton. You're going to get a lot of heavy rain coming through, um, going all the way up through Mountain City as well. Hi, Wasi, Blairsville, Young Harris, uh, Blue Ridge, you've got a lot of rain in your area as well. 
Now, the actual heaviest stuff literally is a line. I mean, if you know where I-85 is on a map, uh, you can drag your finger down 85 from Greenville, South Carolina, all the way down to Columbus, Georgia, and the LaGrange, Georgia area. And that is where the worst storms are, right over 85 the whole way through. If you are north of 85, you've got a lot of heavy rain coming. Uh, And and the same holds true for those of you up at uh, WRG up in Rome and and our affiliates in Dalton and, and Jasper and the like. You're clearing out right now, and you've got more rain coming in as well. Uh, so please stay off the roads. But again, I, I've now got uh, two different people from the Habersham County area emailing me saying, please uh, tell people stay off the roads. Uh, in fact, I, I'm actually, hang on a second. <laughs> uh, I, 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 well, I've never, I, one day I want to go to Helen, Georgia. Uh, Patrick, who is in downtown Helen, Georgia right now, says uh, downtown Helen's just a river. So uh, please, if you're there, if I'm telling people to stay off the road, tell them to stay off the road in Helen as well. So a lot of rain in North Georgia. I realize those of you outside the state could care less, but you know, I care because I live in Georgia and uh, all my stations are in Georgia right now and it's a mess out there. All right. Let me explain my moral opposition to the speed cameras. They are a tax on the poor. They're like lottery tickets, but you got no choice in the matter. In this country, constitutionally, uh, you have a right against self-incrimination. And in this country, if you are an educated person, if you are a rich person and you get a camera, if you get a ticket from one of these speed detection cameras, you can write a letter and say, I wasn't driving and because it's a private business and this private business really can't do anything to you. It is a private company that makes money off of you. That private company is typically going to to say, okay, no harm, no foul. It is the poor person who has neither the means nor the education to write the ticket or have their lawyer write a ticket to the speed detection uh, company and say, uh, this is wrong. On top of that, we're seeing a couple of things that happen in these areas, much like with red light cameras, which I'm also opposed to. Uh, red light cameras in Georgia, the cities that install them tend to reduce the length of time for a yellow light to ensure that more people get a speeding ticket. I am opposed to them because it was the the lobbyist for them was the Speaker of the House's son, and, and he used every, the Speaker did every possible method to push through the speed cameras. And I am opposed to them for stories like this. Let me let me read you this story from the AJC. This is in Roswell, Georgia. Uh, by the way, you want an idea of how bad the, the rain is in Georgia, those of you out of Georgia? Hartsfield, Jackson, two dead mares, International Airport in Atlanta. No planes flying in or out right now. Uh, the, the rain is so bad right now in the Atlanta area, they've had to shut the entire airport down. So Roswell police will begin using cameras to crack down on school zones on Monday. Those driving 10 miles or more over the speed limit in the Vickery Mill Elementary School Zone an hour before or after classes will get a warning, but only for 30 days. Starting March 3rd, you'll get a $75 fine. The Roswell City Council approved a contract with Illinois-based Red Speed USA to ticket drivers. The service is free, but Red Speed gets 35% of the ticket revenue. The rest is kept by the city for public safety. There are 20 cities in Georgia that are now doing this. Now, I want to read you a story from Annapolis, Maryland. A handful of area residents had their speed camera citations dismissed Friday after they received a phone call Thursday 
telling them they did not need to show up for their court date. Red Speed USA, the Illinois-based administrator of the city's speed camera program, eventually agreed to dismiss some citations due to the phone calls. A representative for Red Speed at the court hearing said the calls originated from the company, although there was confusion about the message. I want to know why they called so many people, said a resident of the city. There had to be something. Representatives for Red Speed could not be reached for comment. Corinne Irwin, a resident of Admiral Heights, said she received a phone call Thursday from an organization identifying itself as the City of Annapolis Call Center. Irwin said a woman told her she did not need to appear in court the next day and that her citation had been dismissed. Irwin went to district court on Friday anyway, and her name was called by Judge Pryle. Pryle initially issued Irwin a $10 fine for speeding after she pleaded not guilty. He then dismissed the citation after she informed him of the phone call. Others issued citations said they received the same phone call on Thursday, and the citations were dismissed once they notified the court. Most of the citations contested in court Friday came from a camera located at Cedar Park Road in Germantown, near Germantown Elementary School. As of January 29th, Cedar Park had 4,045 citations, 2,000 more than any other camera in Annapolis. Let me explain to you what happened. A bunch of people got tickets for speeding through a school zone because of a speed camera run by a company called Red Speed USA. It is the same company that many of these Georgia cities are using. The day before their court appearance, because they had not paid their fines, someone called them claiming to be from the city of Annapolis saying, your ticket's been dismissed. You don't need to go to court tomorrow. Well, they showed up in court anyway because the call sounded suspicious. Turns out the city of Annapolis had not called them, and had they not gone to court, they would have been fined significantly, if not jailed, for a failure to appear in court. And what actually happened is this company that a bunch of Georgia cities are using generated the phone call. And they're denying that they have no idea what happened. They, they don't know. How, how did this happen? This is shady business. And you should be morally outraged, but you actually should be morally outraged by your government, wherever it is there. And there are, again, 30 cities and counties in Georgia that are doing this now. And they're outsourcing law enforcement to a private company in Illinois. And it puts you in limbo. Now, how does it put you in limbo? It puts you in limbo because it is a private company with no law enforcement jurisdiction telling you that you've got to show up at court and pay a fine. Well, constitutionally, who is this entity? It's not a law enforcement entity. How can this company tell you to show up at court to pay a fine. Law enforcement did not give you a ticket. A private company did. You've got a contract right in Georgia. If we're in Georgia, Georgia law actually is, is very hardcore on contract law. You've got a company telling you you owe them money. You did not enter into a contract with this company. So why do you owe this company money? Well, they say, well, you owe the, the, the city money. But the city is not the one that is ticketing you. 
it is Red Speed USA that is ticketing you. And they can do all the legal mumbo jumbo they want, but ultimately they're the ones doing it. They're the ones saying it was you. What if it's not you? What if it's your kid? Why do you have to pay the ticket when it wasn't you? And by the way, what if it's your spouse in Georgia? Let's say it's your spouse in your car. The car is, is the car is licensed to you, but you're not in the car. And so you tell them you're not in the car. It's not you. And they say, well, who was it? And you refuse to tell them. There is a there is an actual provision of the law that you do not have to be a witness against the person you're married to. So you say it's not me, and I'm not going to tell you who it is. Well, how is that enforced? Now, some of these cameras try to take a picture of you, but you can say that that's not me. So it puts you, the citizen, in a legal limbo land where a private company is attempting to enforce a law for a city that has abdicated its lawful responsibility to enforce the speed limit to a company in Illinois that in another state is generating what sound like scam calls to tell people not to go to court so that they can get fined even more. If you're not outraged by this, you should be. And this is happening more and more, not just in Georgia, but other states. It is an abdication of institutions to private sector companies designed to entrap you and you, if you're a smart person, if you're an educated person, if you're a white person, have a far easier time of getting out of the consequences and denying responsibility, whether you did it or not, than if you're a poor person, a black person, a Hispanic person, you, you should be outraged by this. And I realize that some of you are listening right now and you're saying, but this is for the children. We shouldn't be speeding through traffic. You know, you're right. We shouldn't be speeding through zones for, for schools. We shouldn't. But you know what the response should be? It should be put a police officer out there. Put a police officer out there. If you don't have the means to put a police officer out there, well, do you not care about the children? Do, do you not care about the kids? You're telling me we got to do this because you care about the kids. If you care about the kids, put a police officer out in the school zone and have the police officer do it. Give them a bonus if you want. But yeah, I, I realize I, I am doing an entire segment on the outrage of, of a speed camera. And I do feel that strongly about it. And I know some people disagree with me. It was shady the way it was passed after midnight on the last day of the legislature. It was shady the way it was passed and that it was the Speaker of the House's son who pushed it. It was shady in the way it's being implemented in certain areas of the state. It is shady in the way that the primary company doing these things operates. And these people get random phone calls saying, don't show up at court. When when they do show up at court, it's a good thing they did or they're going to go off to jail or get a huge fine or, or what. This is a scam perpetuated by legislative officers. And you know the funniest thing? You know the funny thing? Let me tell you how some states do this. Washington, D.C. is notorious for this. Do you know in Washington, D.C., they put the speed detection cameras, because they don't just use them in school zones there. They use them all over the place. And you know what Washington, D.C. has started doing? Washington has started putting the cameras in locations where the most people who pass through are actually not residents of Washington, D.C. See, in Washington, D.C., at the, the, the state line or the, 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 the district line, that's where the speed detection cameras are. So the people who are zipping through and getting the tickets aren't actual voters. 
in Washington, D.C. So the people of Washington, D.C. are spared their own government doing this to other people. It is a revenue-enhancing mechanism by states, counties, and cities in the name of protecting children because the state actually can't be bothered to protect the children, so they're contracting out to a private entity in another state to put in cameras, and that company gets 35% of the revenue generated. The company would not do this unless it knew it was going to get the revenue. If a company is generating phone calls telling you don't go to court, your case has been dismissed when it hasn't, what are the odds that they're calibrating the radar correctly? What are the odds when you get the ticket that it's truthful? Do you know the entire state patrol class in Georgia for this past year just got fired? Every single one of them got fired because they were cheating on the speed detection test. Why do you need them to cheat on a speed detection test when you could potentially outsource it to a private sector company that knows that if you're poor, if you're black, if you're Hispanic, you're probably not going to have the means to protest. And those are also the people least likely to go vote. So they can prey on those citizens. It absolutely is a moral problem. When our government decides to outsource law enforcement to an unaccountable, unelected private sector company that doesn't even exist inside the state, that should be a moral problem for you. It is a failure of your institutions to actually look out for you because they're more interested in getting your money in a way least likely to get them thrown out of office. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here, and I, I skipped this at the beginning of the hour because the weather was so bad. You heard Chris Burns' commercial earlier, Dynamic Money is sponsoring this program, and uh, they actually are my financial advisor. Uh, yeah, I suckered them into it. Um, they Good people, though, and, and they do more than just retire. They'll handle your retirement planning if you want, and they do mine. Uh, they they manage my 401k for me. Uh, but they, they we went to Dynamic Money, Christy and I did, because we, we needed to come up with a plan actually to get out of debt. It wasn't even about retirement. I, I had fine re- with my retirement stuff already. But uh, how, do you, how do we get out of debt? Manage our money, learn how to budget as a family, uh, teach our kids some financial stuff. And, and that's what Dynamic Money does. Chris Burns is, is the president of the company, uh, a good friend of mine as well. And But his whole team, that's what they specialize in. If you need someone to sit down with you, and they'll do it by – they're in Atlanta, but they, they video conference. If you got FaceTime on your phone or, or Skype or, or Zoom or whatever, they can do it. Um, and they will connect with you wherever you are in the state of Georgia. They can teach you how to budget. They can give you the software tools to help you make it happen. They can manage your retirement. And one of the, the most delightful things about them, and this makes some people mad when I say it, but but I, this is a win for me, is they're not commission-based. Uh, they don't sell you products. So when they tell you, uh, use this bank account or consider doing this for retirement, they're not making money off of it. They're fee-based, uh, or they're, they're fee-only. They're not fee-based. They don't do supplemental things on commission. It's just a fee only. Uh, and if you let them manage your retirement, they, they do earn a, a uh, percentage from um, like everybody else does who manages retirement funds. Uh, they get like it's less than 1% uh, annual fee for managing your retirement. But they're good people. Uh, they, they've certainly helped my wife and me. In fact, uh, they <laughs> set up an account uh, unbeknownst to me that where some of my paycheck has been going uh, to build up a fund so I can go on re- uh, vacation. 
in at the end of March for spring break. I was not going to do it this year because I didn't think we would have the money to do it. And um, by God, they sat down and figured it out. And and looks like I got money in the account I didn't know I had, so I can go on a vacation that I wasn't expecting to go on. Uh, and those are the sorts of people that work at Dynamic Money. So go to dynamicmoney.com is the website. And thank you very much to them for sponsoring the program. We have a lot more that we've got to talk about, uh, including the meltdown that's happening in Iowa. Uh, the Leffler Purdue or the Leffler Collins race is heating up. And by the way, uh, for all of you, I am a conservative. I am a, I used to be an elected Republican. I was on the city council in Macon, Georgia, worst job of my life. Um, but I also believe that everyone deserves a fair hearing. And I like to have conversations with people, including those I, I disagree with. In 2018, I sat down with every single person running for governor, Democrat and Republican alike, and interviewed them for an hour on my radio program. And I am inviting all of those running in this special election seat, Ed Tarver, Raphael Warnock, Kelly Leffler, Doug Collins, to sit down with me for an hour. It is, a, it is not a combative interview that I want to do with them. It is a who are they? What is their vision for Georgia? Why are they running and what sets them apart from everyone else? I think it is fair to them. I have a statewide network uh, of uh, programs where you should be able to listen to them, uh, whether they're a Democrat or Republican. And frankly, I, I'm a firm believer. It's why I send out recipes all the time is we should be able to find common ground, even with people we disagree. And so I'm inviting all of the candidates in the special Senate election to sit down with me for an hour uh, and have a conversation and just explain who they are, why they're running, uh, what their positions are. And we will be bringing those to you throughout the next couple of months as we get them set up. When we come back, we do need to talk about Iowa. Okay, a word for a sponsor. You know the old joke, a crossfitter, a vegan, and an atheist walk into a bar, and we all know because they wouldn't stop telling everybody. Well, I, I feel compelled to tell you, I, I have finally started going back to CrossFit to get in shape, and it's great. I've lost 15 pounds, uh, but... I don't go every day, and one of the things that you can do at home is what I do, and that is discover Echelon, which is actually really cool multimedia platform and equipment. To get in shape in 2020, you don't have to join a gym. You don't have to pay a ton for overpriced fitness equipment. You don't have to pay a ton for a Peloton. The best way to get in shape is with Echelon. Go to echelonfit.com. Discover their EX1 connected fitness bikes. It offers high quality at home cycling experience at less than half the price of the Peloton. They've got other awesome equipment as well. They've got live and on demand studio classes. They've got one of those awesome mirrors. They've got, you can do it on TV. It's just, it's great. Go to echelonfit.com slash Eric. Learn about their limited time free Apple iPad and complete details of this exclusive offer. Echelon, it's your time. And again, don't pay a ton for a Peloton. Go to Echelon. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash Eric. Echelon fit.com slash Eric. On the days when I'm not in the gym, I'm with Echelon and it works. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson show across the state of Georgia. A rainy, rainy day across the state of Georgia, frankly. Uh, if you're in the northwest corner of the state, it dried out for you. Guess what? More rain's coming in momentarily. If you're in the northeast part of the state, well, it sucks for you. Uh, if, you <laughs> if you're in the Athens area, you got some heavy rain that is incoming. If you are in the middle and south Georgia area, well, you got rain, particularly in the western 
half of the state. Uh, you've got rain everywhere to the west of I-75 uh, in Georgia. It has rain incoming. Um, I'm here in middle Georgia, in, in Bibb County, actually, and we got some light showers in our area. Heavier, heavier stuff is coming, uh, and they're expecting worse stuff later in the day for us. The phone number here, if you want to be a part of the program, it is 877-97-ERIC, uh, E-R-I-C-K, 877-973-7425. This hour of the program, just like last hour, brought to you by Dynamic Money. If if you need help planning your retirement or even budgeting, household budgeting, uh, financial planning, the like, uh, go to dynamicmoney.com. They are good people. I actually am a customer. I was a customer before they sponsored this program. Uh, I I literally am a customer, my wife and I, and uh, they have have just done wonders to help us get out of debt and plan savings and retirement and uh, learning how to put stuff in different accounts and bank accounts. I didn't know you could get all sorts of stuff. Dynamicmoney.com. Iowa is a mess. This is the thing. You know, you know, let me go back to circle back to the first hour of the program. And I said that events, dear boy, events. That's what Harold McMillan said when he became prime minister in Great Britain on how uh, his governance would go. E- events. E- events change things. And impeachment is over and done with. Everybody's moved on from impeachment. The State of the Union is over and done with, and most people are moving on from it. But we can't move on from Iowa yet because there has been no resolution in Iowa, and that's not good. And the whole system is collapsing in Iowa, which actually isn't a bad thing if you really want to know because the... Iowa caucuses are actually fairly well hot garbage, uh, but uh, it, it is a situation where the Democrats and Republicans alike have relied on it. And about the only consensus opinion at this point is that uh, Joe Biden is floundering badly and he is collapsing now in the polling in New Hampshire as well. And it is going to be a problem. For Joe Biden, if he can't turn stuff around, and Joe Biden knows it. Uh, we're uh, 24 hours later. They're still trying to figure out uh, what happened in Iowa. <laughs> At this rate, New Hampshire will be the first in the country to get the vote. I am not going to sugarcoat it. We took a gut punch in Iowa. The whole process took a gut punch. Yeah, the whole process took a gut punch. He, he gut punch. He took a gut punch. Here is uh, Joe Biden on Buttigieg and Sanders. But if Senator Sanders is a nominee for the party, every Democrat in America up and down the ballot, in blue states, red states, purple states, it's easy in easy districts and competitive ones. Every Democrat will have to carry the label Senator Sanders has chose for himself, chosen for himself. He calls him, and I don't criticize him, he calls himself a democratic socialist. Is he really saying that Obama-Biden administration was a failure? Pete, just say it out loud. I have great respect for Mayor Pete and the service of this nation. But I do believe it's a risk to be just straight up with you for this party to nominate someone who's never held an office higher than mayor of a town of 100,000 people in Indiana. I do believe it's a risk. It is, frankly, a risk for the Democrats to go in that direction. They've got real problems. But the problem, though, for Joe Biden is that he hasn't been able to gain any traction. 
And on top of that, you notice how I mentioned, I did it intentionally. Believe it or not, my brain occasionally works like this, where I'm intentional in what I say. <laughs> most times, it's just, it just pours out. Um, I said most people have moved on from the State of the Union. There's a problem here. I want to play for you Frank Lutz, the pollster. Even the coverage is overhyped. It's overcaffeinated. So if you are a left-leaning newspaper, Donald Trump this morning... Everybody hated the speech. If you are right-leaning newspapers, a brilliant speech. Our group right. actually thought that Donald Trump was not uh, inappropriate. They did not think that he was overly partisan. They thought it was a campaign speech for 2020, which obviously it was. But I'm afraid that the people who report the news are actually missing what the voters themselves are saying. We had two undecided voters. They moved towards Trump after the speech was done. They moved towards Trump. After the speech was done, undecided voters. And that's a problem for the Democrats. It's a problem because the Democrats are in a bubble. And I want to spend a few moments on this just so you understand. The media in Washington and New York, the, the D.C. New York corridor is full of people in the media who are decidedly of the left. And they genuinely are of the left. I know a lot of these people, and frankly, a lot of them are my friends. Uh, I worked at CNN for three years. I worked at Fox News for five years. And for all of Fox's uh, reputation, deservedly so, of being the, the news network for people on the right, there are a lot of people at Fox who are socially liberal. And there are a lot of people at CNN uh, who are very liberal across the board. And there are a lot of people at ABC, CBS, and NBC who are. And, and you already know that your average newspaper out there it tends to lean left as well. What you need to understand, and, and I, I want to be clear here, and a lot of you are going to disagree with me, uh, but I can tell you I've been in the newsrooms. I've been in the editorial rooms. I, I've been in the meetings. I, I'm, I'm friends with these people. The bias is not per se Democrat versus Republican. There are two overwhelming biases in the media that then cause them to be biased to the left. The first bias is a narrative bias. Every story needs a good guy and a bad guy. And those facts that make the bad guy look like a good guy need to be ignored. And the bad guy is more easily portrayed as, as the, the dominant or perceived as dominant force. So the white Christian dude in the United States is more easily portrayed as the bad guy than the, uh, the transgender atheist. And so that begins to shape the narrative and the facts that are not convenient to the narrative must be ignored. But then there's the other big bias. And this, I flat out had an, a well-respected person at CNN tell me this one. The bias is the good governance bias. Government is a force for good. And if you want to reduce government, you must be bad because government is a force for good. That is, frankly, the overwhelming bias in the media right there. The two of those together combined make for a bias for the left because the left supports more government and the left embraces the idea of, of, of the white heterosexual Christian male being the bad guy. And so it all plays together. But there's a problem in that. 
most Americans aren't of the left. Most Americans actually consider themselves moderate to conservative progressives in this country. And, you know, we, we say progressive. We used to say liberal. The reason we say progressive is because people got tired of liberal and they're rapidly getting tired of progressive. They're going to have to come up with a new name pretty soon. Notice we haven't had to change the name conservative for a while, if at all. But the media, because they're on the left and the Democrats are on the left, uh, they're in this feedback loop and the, the Democrats read the media, the media, the, the, uh, the, po- the political journalists and, and reporters they praise the Democratic action, so the Democrats do more of the same, but it doesn't actually translate to the voters. The amount of people in the press who actually thought Nancy Pelosi was brave and bold for tearing up the president's speech is overwhelming, and the media feedback is overwhelming. And uh, it, there are actually people in newsrooms across America shocked when other reporters say, wait a second, this probably wasn't a wise idea for Nancy Pelosi to do that. In fact, Claire McCaskill. Uh, the former Democratic senator from Missouri has gotten some flack from people for, for saying this on MSNBC after the State of the Union. And of course, Nancy Pelosi tearing up the speech. I could argue that that maybe wasn't the best idea. Um, you know, I think America wants everyone to get along and get things done. And yeah, wasn't the best idea for her to do that. But if you listen to the millennial hipster reporters in Washington, it was awesome. Nancy Pelosi owned the president. La resistance reigned supreme. It just doesn't translate outside of coastal areas. And that's part of the problem here for the Democrats and the media that they don't seem to really understand. They live within 25 miles to 50 miles of a coast. And the people who live within 25 to 50 miles of a coast tend to be more liberal. And particularly in in, uh, the Mid-Atlantic and the West Coast. And let me, just just for perspective here, I'm going to pull up my map. Just so you have an idea here. Maine, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Connecticut, 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 New York, New Jersey, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida. Let's look at these coastal areas, particularly the, the large metropolitan areas along the coast. If we're going with the large metropolitan areas along the coast, let's see, we, we got Boston, Democrat. You got Bridgeport, New Haven, Connecticut, Democrat. You got New York, Democrat. You got, what, Newark, Democrat. You got Atlantic City, Democrat. You got really, I mean, you got all of New Jersey in there. You got Washington, D.C. in there. All these are Democratic areas. You go go over to the West Coast. You got California, Washington, Oregon. Left, they're all Democrats. Within 50 miles of the coast, you got a bunch of Democrats. And those are the people that the news media caters to because that's where the population core of the country is, they think, and they completely ignore the rest of the country. And those people are already of the left. I mean, you, you, you've got a news network in, in New York City and Washington, D.C., catering to people who are overwhelmingly Democrat living in New York and Washington, D.C., San Francisco and Los Angeles. And they all think the same way. They live the same lifestyle. Uh, the, the, the things that, that can impact them with minimal repercussions impact poorer people with massive repercussions. And they don't get that. They don't 
relate to those people. The only time they really interact with the poor persons when they're dodging the homeless man on the street in Washington or New York, or they've got a housekeeper or a driver, or they may, they may have the audacity to get in a taxi cab. But they think the same, they drink the same, they dress the same, they read the same, they interact the same. And so when Nancy Pelosi does something, they all love it. They freaking love it. But it doesn't translate well outside of their areas. It doesn't translate well in Kansas or Missouri or really Illinois outside of Chicago or Iowa or Wisconsin or Michigan or Pennsylvania, except outside of Philadelphia. It doesn't translate well in Florida or Georgia or Texas. Abortion on demand, transgender rights, putting men in women's bathrooms, letting boys be on the girls' team, calling you a bigot if you disagree with that. It doesn't translate well outside of those major coastal urban areas. And so along comes Nancy Pelosi, and she's a strategic genius for holding up the impeachment articles. It was brilliant. She got it from someone on CNN. And, you know, Donald Trump gets all of his ideas from blue-haired people overnight on Fox News. Nancy Pelosi did this. It was brilliant. She took it to Donald Trump. And what did it do? It drove up his favorability ratings. She tore up the State of the Union address last night, a hero to progressives everywhere. How did it actually translate? How how did that actually translate to people outside of the bubble? The New York, D.C. court, it didn't translate well at all. Didn't translate well at all. Here's Frank Rolant saying the undecided voters on his panel, they're trending towards Trump. The Republicans actually have an advantage in the media bias. Because increasingly Americans don't trust the media. They, they, they don't trust the press. I, I, you know, I'm in this weird situation now where I, as a conservative, sometimes have to tell my conservative listeners, you know what? This story is actually true. And I know it's true because someone in the Trump administration who I trust told me it's true because you don't want to believe the story. I have to now I'm in this bizarre situation where I'm having to tell people that a particular story in the, in the news is actually true because nobody believes it. But nobody on the left believes it. Nobody on the right believes it. Nobody at all believes these things. And so when the media comes out and attacks the president of the United States, by and large, most people don't believe it anyway. But progressives do because it scratches their itch to hate the president. And it scratches their itch that, that you, you know, they say all the time, facts tend to be progressive these days. They, they, they say things like this. It's not true. But they believe it. It makes them feel good. They feel smugly superior to the rest of us. And the media is part of that bubble and the media echoes it. The media amplifies it. And so they go off and they do these crazy things like Nancy Pelosi tearing up the speech. They rush headlong into impeachment without calling witnesses. They blow the whole thing up. They take bizarre positions on, on transgenderism. And, and you know, you, you've got in, in Florida now Democratic politicians who have pestered Fifth Third Bank and Wells Fargo to stop paying for poor kids' educations because horror of horror, some of these poor kids may want to go to a Christian school. And the Democrats think that's great. And the Democrats think that's right. How does that actually play with people who already don't trust the media and don't trust the Democrats and are socially conservative? It doesn't play well at all. And so the Democrats are in this feedback loop where everyone they listen to in the bubble tells them they're grand, glorious, strategic thinkers, brilliant and going to win. And then they lose. And the only way they can interpret the loss is it must have been stolen from them 
because they can't actually accept they're in a bubble. They think they're in the real world and the rest of us are in a bubble. Phone lines are open. 877-97-ERIC. 877-973-7425 is the phone number across the state of Georgia. We got rain now moving into the middle Georgia area. Uh, looks like, uh, what is that? Crawford County, Bibb County, um, into... Uh, what uh, Jones County, you got some heavy rain there now moving in. Uh, the Culloden area, Barnesville, stretching up to Jackson. Uh, moving up, still we got these flash flood warnings up in North Georgia. Uh, you got new rain moving into the Rome and Dalton area here in a little bit. Uh, you, you stay off the roads if you can up in Northeast Georgia. I've gotten now multiple reports from multiple people up in Habersham County uh, that it, it is a lot of water, standing water on the roads up there. The Athens area as well, there's a lot of heavy rain moving back into that area. Uh, and in, in middle and South Georgia, you got bands of, of strong, strong storms that are starting to come through down in the Albany area. It hadn't quite crossed over yet. Um, but if you're in the Bainbridge area in Albany, you're going to start seeing rain coming through here, uh, in just a little bit, some very, very heavy showers moving into South Georgia now as well. Okay. Now, uh, I, I want to, want to get to the story from daily signal because it goes into, um, something a little bit more, um, <laughs> Swiss air Swiss air has decided to stop using, uh, Lauderock, uh, which is one of their high end sweet suppliers. Uh, Johan Lauderock is a Christian. And so Swiss Air has decided uh, that they are going to stop using Lauderock to supply chocolates and treats on their planes because they are afraid that um, it would offend gay rights activists and make people feel uncomfortable because he's pro-life. The, the owner of the company is pro-life. It's actually kind of silly when you think about it uh, that Swiss Air is going to cancel a contract with a chocolate company because it turns out that the owner of the company is an Orthodox Bible-believing Christian. Now, when I say Orthodox, understand I'm not talking about the Orthodox Church. I'm talking about Orthodox Christianity. It means something different, little O, not capital O. But before you say, well, that's not going to happen here, consider in Florida— I mentioned this the other day, a member of the Florida legislature, a progressive Democrat who is gay in the Florida legislature is using his power as a member of the Florida legislature to harass Wells Fargo and Fifth Third Bank. And those companies are now caving to this gay rights activist, one member of the Florida legislature. Georgia, Florida, and a bunch of other states have opportunity scholarships where you can give money into a fund and then get a tax credit. And... So if you give $1,000 in Georgia, let me deal with the Georgia one. Uh, you give $1,000 uh, in a tax credit in Georgia. Then you or you get $1,000 to this Opportunity Scholarship Fund in Georgia. You get a $1,000 tax credit from the state. You don't have to pay $1,000 in taxes because you gave to this fund. And there are 13,000 kids in the state of Georgia who use money out of this Opportunity Scholarship Fund to go to private schools. Florida has something similar, and major corporations give in Florida, um, Fifth Third Bank and Wells Fargo. But 83 of the schools that participate in the program are Christian schools. And so now Wells Fargo and Fifth Third Bank are not going to participate in the scholarship anymore because Christians might take advantage of the scholarship money. 
Yeah, I got to deviate as I always do from everything I wanted to talk about because I had a bunch of friends send me this uh, New York Times story uh, with Henry uh, Louis, Louis Gates uh, Jr. You know, he, he's the Harvard professor at the Beer Summit, uh, Obama. He was uh, at his home and his uh, he was arrested by a police officer in Cambridge who didn't know him and it was uh, it, racist calls. The president defended him, said it was a stupid arrest. It, it, it was a stupid arrest. It was at his home. Uh, but the police officer didn't know that. He got a 911 phone call that there were two men, uh, two black men had broken into a home with suitcases. It, it is, as Louis Gates is, is saying in this New York Times story, that uh, he did not realize that is part of a legitimate burglary profile is you have black men who show up at a house in his area with suitcases, empty suitcases. They go in and fill stuff up, and it looks like, well, they're just coming home from a trip or they're just leaving for a trip. Uh, the police officer had no idea, so they met. They, they he, Sergeant Crowley was the guy's name. But so here's what's funny about it. Um, Henry Louis Gates says, I didn't get the vibe from Sergeant Crowley that he's a racist. We were called into the Oval Office. I said to the president, Mr. President, we had a great conversation at the library. And he says, oh, it, it sounds like it's all settled. The actual beer summit was us doing small talk. And the reason Joe Biden, this is the funny part here. The reason Joe Biden was there is that the Cambridge Police Department had insisted that because there were going to be two black guys at the table, they wanted two white guys at the table. They had sent somebody involved in the Cambridge police structure to be there. As we were walking out to the Rose Garden, somehow that guy got pushed aside and Joe Biden jumped in the line. That's what nobody ever figured out. Why is Biden at the table? He was there to be the second white guy. <laughs> now, Henry Lewis Gates, you should understand, he, he's a he's a Mike Bloomberg supporter. Uh, Bloomberg, I tell you, Bloomberg and the Democrats, that they I, I suspect there is going to be a, a serious fight. That happens here, uh, and I, I want to explain to you what is going on. Uh, let's see where the where the Democratic nomination stand up right now. Joe Biden uh, is at twenty seven percent. Sanders, this is the real clear politics polling average. Biden is starting to go down. Sanders had gone up, but he's starting to go down. Uh, Bloomberg is skyrocketing. Buttigieg just collapsed. Elizabeth Warren is in free fall. Um, but what about the actual delegate counts? Well, it turns out that. Uh, Bernie Sanders is now in the lead in Iowa, along with the popular vote. He's got the delegate count. Well, actually, he's tied in the delegate count. So, you know, I, I've explained to you before. I don't want to explain it again because it hurts my head and it's a stupid system. But in, in Iowa, you've got a first round and a second round. Uh, you're assigned percentages. Those percentages then award you um, delegates. Bernie Sanders had originally he got 42,672 votes and Pete Buttigieg 36,718 votes. They they're tied for the number of delegates right now. 96% of the vote has now been counted. Joe Biden is going to leave Iowa with zero delegates. Elizabeth Warren will leave with five delegates and then Buttigieg and Sanders tied. Joe Biden is now in freefall. 
in New Hampshire, though, in the polling averages, uh, Biden is at 17 percent, Sanders at 25 percent, Buttigieg is at 15 percent. But in the tracking polls that have just come out, Buttigieg is, is trending upwards and Joe Biden is, is in free fall there in South Carolina. Uh, Joe Biden may not have any money left to get him to South Carolina in a couple of weeks to continue on as the Democratic nominee. Meanwhile, Mike Bloomberg is not on any of these ballots. Bloomberg is spending a ton of money in Super Tuesday states and beyond, and not all of the Super Tuesday states, but most of them, spending a ton of money to not only get on the ballot, but get his name up there, and it's working for him. Nationally, Bloomberg is now in fourth place in the polling, and Pete Buttigieg has fallen. Pete Buttigieg is getting a bounce uh, headed into New Hampshire from doing so well in Iowa. The problem for Buttigieg, though, is that he's not well-liked among millennials, and millennials are turning out in mass for Bernie Sanders. And James Carville and Democrats out there are in absolute meltdown over the idea that Bernie Sanders could be the Democratic nominee, because here is the reality. As much as Democrats want to tell themselves, and you're already starting to hear it, you know you're already starting to hear it. What you're starting to hear are Democrats say, this could be our 2016, this could be our 2016, this could be our 2016. The problem is that the data doesn't actually work out. Uh, The New York Times has a very interesting graph that shows that the Democratic Party has spectacularly lurched to the left. And as they've lurched to the left, they are doing worse and worse on the ballot nationwide. But this goes back to the bubble. They're all in such a bubble right now, the Democrats and the media together, that they don't even realize uh, that they're in a bubble. I mean, they, they do not realize that they, they cannot function. They cannot process the fact that they are out to lunch, that they cannot process the fact that they are in a situation where the majority of Americans, including an increasing number of black Americans, don't like what the Democratic Party stands for. And Biden realizes this. I played this a little while ago. I'm going to play this clip again. Listen to what Biden is saying on Buttigieg and Sanders here. But if Senator Sanders is a nominee for the party, every Democrat in America up and down the ballot in blue states, red states, purple states, it's easy and easy districts and competitive ones. Every Democrat will have to carry the label Senator Sanders has chose for himself, chosen for himself. He calls him, and I don't criticize him, he calls himself a democratic socialist. Is he really saying that Obama-Biden administration was a failure? Pete, just say it out loud. I have great respect for Mayor Pete and the service of this nation. But I do believe it's a risk to be just straight up with you. For this party to nominate someone who's never held an office higher than mayor of a town of 100,000 people in Indiana. I do believe it's a risk. And a lot of other Democrats are probably going to wind up agreeing with that assessment, even if they don't give it to Joe Biden. And and that's a Buttigieg problem. But this seeds the way for Bloomberg. The problem with Bloomberg, though, is that, you know, more and more stories come out. Do you know, in New York City, charities were not allowed to feed homeless people. Mayor, Mayor Bloomberg blocked charitable groups from being from feeding homeless people unless they could meet certain dietary requirements that they, they couldn't give the homeless people food unless it was healthy organic food 
You want to give them a gift card to McDonald's so that they could have a meal? Not in Mayor Bloomberg's New York. Stories like that, the Democrats are so intent on, on beating Trump, and that's part of the problem here with their bubble. They're so intent on beating Donald Trump that they do not realize their own problems. They do not realize how out of touch they are with a lot of people. And that's actually going to matter as we head into the 2020 race. And, and again, this is why what Frank Lutz said about his panel mattered so much. The president and the State of the Union, we're all going to forget the State of the Union. Most people aren't even talking about the state. Maybe the last person in America talking about the State of the Union. We've even moved on from impeachment now. But the visuals from the State of the Union continue to matter. And the visuals matter when Democrats refuse to applaud a young black lady who's going to get an opportunity scholarship to go to a school. By the way, uh, remember that I, I mentioned that earlier. You've got the uh, the the young lady who is now because of the president. Let, let me play this audio again. This is from the State of the Union address with the president talking about the opportunity scholarship. The next step forward in building an inclusive society is making sure that every young American gets a great education and the opportunity to achieve the American dream. Yet for too long, countless American children have been trapped in failing government schools. To rescue these students, 18 states have created school choice in the form of opportunity scholarships. The programs are so popular that tens of thousands of students remain on a waiting list. One of those students is Janiah Davis, a fourth grader from Philadelphia, Janiah. She would do anything to give her daughter a better future. But last year, that future was put further out of reach when Pennsylvania's governor vetoed legislation to expand school choice to 50,000 children. Janiah and Stephanie are in the gallery. Stephanie, thank you so much for being here with your beautiful daughter. Thank you very much. But Janiah, I have some good news for you because I am pleased to inform you that your long wait is over. I can proudly announce tonight that an opportunity scholarship has become available. It's going to you, and you will soon be heading to the school of your choice. Now I call on Congress to give one million American children the same opportunity Janiah has just received. Pass the Education Freedom Scholarships and Opportunities Act because no parent should be forced to send their child to a failing government school. So the president says that Janiah Davis, an opportunity scholarship has come available. Well, reporters went looking and said, well, this is odd. She's waitlisted in Pennsylvania, and the federal government doesn't have an opportunity scholarship program. So how could Janiah Davis get an opportunity scholarship when the federal government doesn't have one, and she's a resident of Pennsylvania, and she hasn't moved ahead on the list? Well, we have an answer to that now. The DeVos family is uh, the, the, the billionaires behind Amway. You know, Betsy DeVos and Eric Prince, uh, Eric Prince of formerly of Blackwater, I think they're, what are they, brother and sister? They're related. Uh, the the DeVos family, uh, Dick DeVos, Amway, they're, they're very well off. And Betsy DeVos is personally paying for Janiah Davis, a fourth grader, to go to school. This is from USA Today. 
U.S. Education Secretary Betsy DeVos will personally fund a school choice scholarship President Trump offered to a Philadelphia girl during his State of the Union address Tuesday night. A surprise award, he suggested, would allow the girl to leave her low-performing public school and attend a different school. A DeVos spokeswoman confirmed Wednesday the secretary will provide the money directly. It is Betsy DeVos's money, and she's going to do this for this child. Now, I say this because DeVos is now under attack for spending her own money to help this child get a better school, better education. And and I want you to think about this for a minute. Think of the optics of this. A, A member of the Trump administration who is much maligned by the press and the Democrats putting her own money where her mouth is to improve someone's education. All of the time, Democrats are telling us we need to raise billionaires' taxes so that we can continue to send kids to failing public schools all over the place. And we got a situation here where our Secretary of Education is stepping up, putting her own money where her mouth is, and giving a girl a better education. Think of all the billionaires in the United States who spend their money on feel-good stuff uh, in other countries and completely ignore kids in poverty in the United States. And one of the reasons they do is because they can't acknowledge, because of ideological reasons, reasons they cannot acknowledge that our public school system in this country are failing. They cannot acknowledge that school choice is something that is a good. They cannot acknowledge that in New Orleans, where public schools fail, the Catholic Church came in and took over the schools after Katrina and improved the education objectively using less money than the city of New Orleans was using. That is not mythology. That is actually true. And they hate it. What sort of moral failure do you have to be to look at a, a an individual contributing their own money to help a stranger get a better education and think that's bad. But they do. And part of the problem is they cannot acknowledge, they cannot accept, they will not admit that we have a problem in our country related to public schools and money is not the problem. There are plenty of public schools in this country that spend inordinate amounts of money and the results continue to to be alarming. And part of the problem is because of something that nobody wants to talk about in this country. At least no one of prominence wants to talk about. And that is there are a lot of kids who are going to schools who are from failing homes. And there is not a single thing that any teacher can do about it. When the kid shows up, they haven't done their homework and they haven't been fed uh, because mom is working multiple jobs and dad's in jail. And until we're willing to talk about the failing homes and the failing communities and, and, and the, the, the failing families, we can lament all we want the failing schools. But, but here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. There are a lot of kids in statistically families, uh, demographically, that should be failing where the single mother or the single father or, or the two-parent household says, you know what, by God, we're going to put our kids first and we're going to get them out of the squalor. And we're going to improve the situation. And what actually happens? The government says, no, you're not. Or look in Florida. You've got this program, an opportunity scholarship program in Florida, where a poor family can get money from a scholarship program and send their child to a private school of their choice. The signature initiative of Jeb Bush that every single Republican in this country has always praised and many Democrats are envious of. 
And now you've got gay rights activists in Florida trying to shut down this Opportunity Scholarship Program because horror of horrors, there are 83 schools that actually say, if you come to our school, you need to adhere to our faith because we're Christian. And because of 83 schools in a scholarship program that funds access to over a thousand schools because 83 of them are Christian, they're using their, their, their bully pulpit to harass Wells Fargo, Fifth Third Bank, and other corporations to stop giving money to the scholarship program. And what's it going to do? It's going to hurt poor kids. But they would rather hurt the poor kids than have Christians be able to leave their lives. Look in this state. Marty Harbin in our state Senate has introduced legislation to say faith-based adoption agencies will have protection and won't have to give up their faith-based values. And what are the Democrats, the Speaker of the House, and gay rights groups doing? They're excoriating Harbin for having the audacity to say that, you know what, a Christian adoption agency should not be forced to adopt kids into a home that violates Christian values. They would rather the kids suffer than dare think someone might disagree with them on these issues. And again, I ultimately think these are the sorts of issues that hurt the Democrats when it comes to November. And they live in a bubble where everyone affirms what they're saying and says they're right. And so they can't even realize just how many people think they're wrong. Yep, I'm going to promote it again, the recipe list. I will send out a recipe, but you got to be on the list to get it. If you're not on the list, what you do is is you just text the word recipe to 33777, and you'll get a uh, text message back asking for your email address, and that will subscribe you. Now, I need to bring you guys up to speed on the weather radar. It is starting to get bad here in middle Georgia. If you're headed through Monroe County up 75 now, it's starting to get very bad and very heavy all the way up into the Atlanta area. Again, as this next round of rain moves through Rome and Dalton, Dalton, you're just about to start getting it. Rome, you're going to get it uh, up in uh, the Clarksville area. Some of you may be thinking it's about to clear out, but it's not Athens as well. Uh, you got more heavy rain moving into your area right now. There are no severe thunderstorm warnings. I would not be surprised if in the middle Georgia area, we get a severe thunderstorm warning soon out of this uh, band of rain that's moving just north of Macon. Um, and then there's more in the south, Unadilla, Vienna. Notice I said Vienna, not Vienna. Uh, Americas, uh, all of these areas are starting to get more and more rain coming in. There's a severe thunderstorm warning in Phoenix City, Alabama, just across uh, the state line from Columbus, Opelika, all that area, the Auburn area, it being impacted. And that's going to head into LaGrange up 85 uh, through Atlanta. It's just, it's going to be bad today. So stick here with this station and we will be able to get you safe and sound and keep you dry as best we can. But thankfully there are no tornado warnings right now across the state. Uh, They may come back. Uh, The really worst part of the rain though is in a line from Athens uh, down to Jackson, Georgia, the Madison, Monticello, uh, Jackson area down to Forsyth, really in North Macon. Uh, Very bad. In fact, if you're in Northern Bibb County where I am, in fact, I, I can look out my window in my studio. There's not a, It's not raining, but it is pitch black uh, to the north of us. So uh, we got a mess of, of weather happening all over the state. And if you're south of me, uh, if you're if you're out in, in East Georgia as well, Vidalia and all, you're you're gonna you're you're gonna be in a world of hurt uh, later. Uh, right now, you're you're good though. Don't panic if you're out in the Vidalia area right now. Uh, randomly, I saw the story. If if you follow me, you should follow me on Instagram at EW Erickson. Everything is EW Erickson. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, but Instagram is my favorite. It's where I'm not political. I just put up pictures. A couple of years ago, I got a telescope. 
and a great big telescope, eight inch telescope, put it in the backyard. And I can take beautiful pictures uh, at three o'clock in the morning of all sorts of nebula and star clusters and the like. And there's a problem people are starting to complain about. Uh, Elon Musk in SpaceX has decided to send up 500 low orbit satellites uh, to do high speed Internet and other things. And they're screwing up pictures. They're screwing up telescopes. They're screwing up astronomy pictures because as the telescope comes through there, they're shinier than, than they were expected to be. And because they're so shiny and reflecting sunlight and, and light from the planet, uh, they're messing up the telescopes. And I'm going to have a problem with this as it screws up all my pictures for Instagram. <laughs> I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.